Hello and welcome to Clean Beauty School Mind Body Greens Beauty Podcast. I am your host and Mind Body Greens Beauty Director, Alexandra Ingler. On this podcast, we explore beauty through the lens of well being. Thank you for joining me today. So, on today's episode, we have on Vicki Sai. She is the founder of Tatcha, which happens to be one of my favorite brands of all time and is a, I mean, an absolute favorite of our entire beauty team. And honestly, just a lot of people at Mind Body Green. You have a lot of fans over here. So, I am so excited to chat with you today and learn about some exciting uh, campaigns that you were working on and endeavors that you guys are doing at Tatcha and learn more about that. So without further ado, Vicki, welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for joining me again. Uh, you know, I I always like to start off these episodes by allowing the audience to get to know you a little bit better. You know, if they don't know your story, I know a little bit about your story, but you know, it's always it's always fun to hear it again. So I I want to ask up front, how did you find yourself in the beauty industry? Oh. I never thought I was going to end up in the beauty industry, even though I grew up around it. Um, My mom had a skincare store that I worked in when I was in high school. And it was a place that I went in to just disappear and and dream about transformation. Um, But I had a a normal finance career when I came out of uh, undergrad. I studied economics. I started off in New York City as a credit derivatives trader down on Wall Street, um, or actually in one of the world uh, financial centers, which was attached to um, the World Trade Center complex. And uh, in my second year as a trader, 9-11 happened, and we were at ground zero for 9-11, my husband and I, and then we had to continue going back there for work every day. We also lived pretty nearby uh, in the West Village. My husband got sick after that for a few years with an autoimmune disease. And um, it was my job to try to figure out how to keep us together and get us out of there and get us out of Wall Street. And it took a while. Um, We had a a long journey that came out of there. But after several years of that, the toll that the stress and the trauma took on my body and my mind um, were pretty significant. And uh, trauma and stress comes through people in different ways. I love that this is my body green, so you understand that. And for me, where you could see it most was through inflammation. And so I always had um, ulcers. Um, I got a lot of ear infections. And my body, especially my face, was covered in hives, um, including acute dermatitis on my face, which looked like bleeding, blistering, and scaling on my entire face, including my lips and my eyelids, for three years. And I had to use steroids and antibiotics to keep it under control. Um, But you don't want to use those things for three years. And then by my early 30s, I was thinking about having a child for the first time. And I was working for a startup out of Silicon Valley that was, um, the goal of it was to share the environmental, social, and health impact of personal care. I started learning about clean, at that time that wasn't called clean, it was just about you know, the challenges sometimes of um, trying to find healthy personal care. And I thought, oh gosh, this might be also one reason why I'm experiencing what I experience in my skin. And then I just chose one day to leave it all behind and leave my beautiful resume and my predictable path. Um, It was 2008. So it was kind of a crazy time to just jump off and, and 
and see where it landed. And I ended up in Japan, in Kyoto, actually. Um, and I'm not Japanese. My family is from Taiwan and I, I grew up in the US. But the experiences that I had there healed my skin, but also healed my spirit. And so I started Tatcha as a way of keeping these practices and these things in my life. But I thought maybe there's other people like me who are looking for authenticity and purity and simplicity and just a different way of being. And also looking for a different relationship with their mind and their body and their skin. Your skin is really the interface. Um, and so that's how Tatcha came to be. Yeah. I, you say something in your bio on your website, which speaks to this. And I just, I want to touch on it because I, I really do think it's quite a beautiful sentiment. Um, it says that you woke up one morning and you said, I choose happiness. Um, and I, I want you to elaborate on that. You know, I choose happiness. It is a choice. You know, what, what was that experience like to say the way I'm living now isn't serving me. I choose something else. This voice came out of me that I didn't recognize. It's almost like the voice that I had been suppressing for most of my life. Um, sometimes I wonder if it's it's like an inner child voice where we we start off life young and wild and free and and kids are happy every day. You know, it's not in the US we have this idea of the pursuit of happiness. That happiness is something that's in the future and you have to chase it. But little kids are just happy every day. They're happy when they wake up. Um, and, and then I think sometimes we suppress that, that inner voice of ours and that inner light. And we start feeling like we've got to start chasing. And you get in the rat race and then you start climbing the corporate ladder and all the things that we're expected to do. And then it's like, yes, but if you do this and you climb hard enough and you work hard enough, then you can pursue this end goal of one day getting back to happiness. And um, I feel that in that moment, like my truest self spoke up and was like, you know what, actually, I don't think it's something that you have to climb to or run to or chase your whole life. I think it's something that you can just say in this moment, right now, every day, I'm going to choose it. Yeah. What is your beauty philosophy? I, I went on this whole adventure, this whole journey. Um, went around the world over and over and over again for the last 14 years. And ultimately what it did was it brought me back to myself. And so in my early thirties, especially I think as a woman of color in the U S I really had a complicated relationship with my body and a really complicated relationship with my skin. Um, I thought, you know, I always have to be smaller. I always have to try to be prettier. Um, my skin at that time had acute dermatitis, not only did I want it to not have acute dermatitis, but I, I wanted to look like the people in the, in the magazines. And after this whole journey, all I've done is come back to myself and realize that our bodies and our skin is what carries our spirit through this world. And it's to be loved and appreciated and cared for. And so when I think about skin and beauty, I think about health and well-being. And, um, I, my greatest hope is for people to rediscover love for themselves and love for their skin. Um, because your skin, especially is a reflection of your physical, mental, even spiritual well-being. 
Um, I know that it reflects what's going on inside for me. It both affects and reflects how I'm feeling. And so when people come to me and they say, I have bad skin, it it hurts my heart a little bit because we would never say I have a bad heart. I have bad bones. I have a bad brain. I'm like, no, you have wonderful skin. Your skin loves you and works so hard every day to take care of you. We got to love your skin. I I love that sentiment. And I think it is so important that we acknowledge how hard our skin works for us, even, you know, on the days where perhaps it's not as luminescent as you want it to be, or on the days that you have a breakout, you know, your skin is still protecting you and, you know, keeping all the good stuff in. And I think it's important to, to have that gratitude towards our skin uh, for all the things that it does. The skin is a wondrous organ. If I, if I could just build on that a second, like just a few tidbits of information that I wish people understood how wondrous their skin is. It's the first line of our immune system. So if you've survived COVID, congratulations, you can thank your skin. Um, it can smell, it can keep time. It knows whether it's daytime or nighttime. If it feels the sun's radiation, it'll automatically protect you. Um, it senses things, you know, touch. It knows whether you're being cuddled or cut or hurt. Um, and it it is a mirror of your emotions. And so, you know, when you are um, uh, scared, you get goosebumps. And when you're embarrassed, you blush. Um, it, it's literally your second mind. And in Japan, they have the saying, kino dokon. And it means skin, mind, same root because they believe that caring for your skin is caring for your mind. And it's actually scientifically true. They've been developing together since they were stem cells. So yeah, we're, that's the topic of today's discussion. So let's jump right into it. I mean, this is a perfect segue. This is, this is everything. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, this is a perfect segue. You know, we, we here believe that the skin and, uh, you know, your mind and your mental health are so deeply connected. And I, I, I would like to think that the broader public is waking up to that fact. Um, I, I certainly see it much more in the broader conversation in beauty. Um, but, you know, sometimes I, I wonder if I'm in a bubble. Um, you seem to have a, a good pulse on what's happening in the beauty space. Do you think that people are starting to understand this a little bit better of just how deeply our mental health and our skin are connected? Not in the beauty space yet. It's known in the science sphere. Um, there's neurocosmetics that have been developed now, which are basically active ingredients that can go transdermal, that can lift the mood. Um, there is a burgeoning field of psychodermatology so before you have psychology and dermatology, now there's uh, specialties where they're looking at the, the hybrid of these two because stress so often comes out through the skin and you see autoimmune stuff happen through the skin because if you're always in fight or flight, then you're always you know going to, to see that inflammation, which may come through the skin for you. I don't think it's in the general public yet, but it's my personal passion to help get that message out there. I think in the Eastern world where... There's, I think, a much more holistic approach to understanding how the mind and body work together. I think there it's it's sort of been known for a while, um, but it's more sort of general understanding and not so much in the science. In the Western world, I think it's coming through the science, but it's not general understanding yet. Okay. 
And, you know, you you worked on this new report um, that, uh, you know, Tatcha has released as a campaign. And I I want to get into some details on the scope of it and, you know, what exactly went in to, to this report and what exactly you were hoping to get out of it. You know, can you just give me a little bit of a broader odor, overview so we can get into some of the details? Yeah. So my journey into um, care of the skin came through an initial experience of trauma for me that led to inflammation that led to my skin condition really, really changing, and then having to go on this long journey to bring it back. Um, So when COVID hit, I thought, oh my gosh, this whole world is going to go through some amount of trauma. And for some people, that inflammation is going to show up in their skin. For other people, it might show up in their gut and whatnot. Um, And things that show up in the gut end up oftentimes showing up in the skin. There's this connection. And so my first question was, how can we be of service to our community right now with what we know from our own own story? And um, I've been studying with a Zen monk in Japan for quite some time, uh, Ito-san. He's actually our well-being advisor. And he had asked me years ago, Vicky-san, where is your mind? And I said, in the past and in the future, but never the present. And then he said, where is it in your body? And I, I said, I, I think it's here. <laughs> and he said, in ancient times, um, every culture thought it was in their stomach. So every culture has a saying, follow your gut, moved up. Every culture is saying, follow your heart, moved up again. People are trying to meditate. And he said, but well, the truth is your mind is in your gut and your heart and your brain and your skin and everywhere. And then so when I remembered that, I remember this Hino Dokon skin mind, same route, same route um, saying in, in Japanese. And I thought, we've got to do some research into this and we've got to figure out how we can use what we know about Japanese well-being practices that are anchored in skin and give that to people as one way of caring for themselves through these really challenging times that we're going to go into. And so that's what prompted the research. Um, so yeah, that's that's how it started. This skin mind same root thing. I, I'm realizing I I kind of skipped over it when you first mentioned it, and I do want to give you the chance to explain a little bit deeper about what that means because, as somebody who has studied the skin mind connection, I know what I think you're getting at. Um, But, you know, for anybody listening, I do think it is a really, really beautiful sentiment. And the mechanisms behind what we mean when we say same root is quite beautiful. Um, So what exactly do you mean when you say skin mind, same root? Yeah. So in in Japan, it's it's a philosophy, uh, this idea that care of the skin is care of the mind. And so many of their practices of care, um, including bathing, you know, they consider uh, bathing the body also a way of cleansing the spirit. Um, uh, teate means hand healing. When you put your hand on something that, that hurts on you, it's a way of to, to accelerate pain relief in that area. Now there's science to prove that. Um, that, that was where it came from, from Japan. Um, dry brushing, um, uh, the baby skin-to-skin contact, um, onsen bathing, which is the hot mineral water bathing that comes out of their volcanic um, lands there. So many of their practices um, all come out through this idea that care of the skin and care of the mind are one in the same. But then now we know that's scientifically true. So when you're a stem cell, it can only go one of three ways. And the pathway that creates the skin in the brain that one, they've been together from the very beginning. And that makes a ton of sense because your skin is your largest sensory organ. 
and your brain, it sends information to your brain and then your brain tells everybody else what to do. Um, and then vice versa, a lot of how your, your mind is feeling, your brain is, is processing things is also coming out through your skin, which is why we were talking about when you're in love, you glow, when you're embarrassed, you blush, when you're scared, you get goosebumps. Um, they're intimately connected. And also our skin is the only real organ that we can touch. If you touch your heart or your brain, you're, you're getting ready to reincarnate. So um, it's, it's the only one that, that you can touch to, to take care of yourself. When we talk about this, this stem cell connection, uh, I, it always gives me goosebumps. I think it's such a beautiful connection that it comes from, you know, the, the same place that your skin and your brain, and they are so deeply entwined in this very like biological level. I just, it never does not inspire me. I just, I think it's such a beautiful sentiment. I think the science, I just love how deeply the science connects to what we know almost instinctively. Um, and it just, I, it always just gives me chills. Um, so now that we have that covered, uh, let's talk about what you guys found in this report. I, I think it's pretty obvious that we're all probably stressed. Uh, I would assume that that is what you also found out. So, you know, what, when you talk to people, what, what, what did you find, you know, how were people reacting to it? So I have, I have the study in front of me because I want to make sure I get the statistics right. So it was a uh, study that we did in 2022, this year. Um, and it was one-on-one -on -one interviews and surveys with 841 women in the U.S. And um, we partnered also with a number of other practitioners, including um, Dr. Keltner, who is the founder of the Greater Good Science Center um, out of Berkeley, who has also done a great deal of research on the science of touch. Um, and also immunologist, Dr. Ching Lee from uh, Nippon Medical School in uh, Japan, who's the uh, leading researcher on forest medicine. Um, so forest bathing, you know, so many of those incredible benefits go through the skin, we can talk about that. Um, and what we're looking specifically in was into how mindfulness and neuroscience and the connection of the skin mind, how we can use that knowledge to, to help people. And what we found was that 69% um, of the respondents said they've experienced burnout in the last 12 months, no surprise. And 70% of people noticed changes in their skin for the worse during that time. Isn't that funny how that statistic is almost identical? Um, so it does for so many people come up through their skin. Um, we also found that um, in a Harvard study, people were saying that they've spent about 47% of their time in the last year on autopilot. And the, that lack of mindfulness, the mind um, not being present has been linked with anxiety. Um, we also found that um, people found their skincare and beauty routines to be a major source of stress. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Because think about the Western world, we've learned to look at our skin like a meat suit that just gets wrinklier and uglier over time. And we've been taught to look in the mirror and diagnose our problems and say, I see pores, I see wrinkles, I see dryness, I see age spots, I need to go find solutions to my problems. So we have been trained since we were little kids, to look in the mirror and see problems. And so what we, we realize is there, there's a real opportunity here to not just 
be in service to our clients and, and show them practices um, that they can use through their skin to help their mind. But in addition to that, change these routines that are causing anxiety and turn them into rituals of self-care and some self-compassion um, and just encourage people to take back their relationship with their skin. I think the burnout one is fascinating. Um, and I think it's, I, I understand it. I understand why I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. You know, I think we've all just been crammed in our homes during the pandemic and, you know, working at the same level that we've always had to. And then the pandemic stopped, even though we know that it hasn't. And we're all just expected to get back to life as usual, as if nothing had happened. I mean, that clearly is going to lead to burnout. I mean, just even to get a little bit personal, like how did you experience this time and how did you see that it affected your skin? I mean, did you, I, I would assume that it, this burnout thing resonated with you too. Yeah. 2021 was one of the hardest years of my life. Um, of course I went through the same thing that everybody went through with COVID. Um, but I was also asked to come back as CEO of my company for a second time to lead it through a turnaround. Um, I am an API woman and many of my employees are. And so we're also grappling with how to hold space for each other. And then me as a leader, how to protect me as a mother, how to protect in a space where we felt really unsafe physically and mentally. Um, and then I had some other things happen where I was almost brought to my knees. And then I thought, well, Vicki, if anybody has the tools <laughs> to put themselves back together, you've been going to Japan for a long time studying well-being, you know, it's time to, it's time to put things into practice. And so I went back to the things that I've been studying and learning all this time. And I was like, yeah, it's go time. And until that moment where I made the decision, I really have to take care of myself. I was back in hives back. It was almost as if, yeah, it was almost as if it was the same as 10 years ago, everything was inflamed. Um, but then I just did it. I just stuck with what I've learned to work and, um, it helped me come back to myself and come back to the moment. The inflammation went away, my skin healed again. And I was like, yeah, the proof is in the pudding. It really is. I mean, I can see it in my skin the second that I start getting stressed or hair is another big one. I, I experienced shedding the second that I start to get stressed. So it, it certainly is. I, I, and the autopilot thing I think is also really interesting. So I do want to ask you a little bit about that. It does point to this idea that, you know, people aren't being mindful of how their days are going and they're just kind of like going through the motions. And I... I'm curious as to why that would be happening. Is it, I wonder if it's like a self-preservation sort of thing on some level, but you know, it's, it does certainly speak to this idea that we need to be more mindful about how we're approaching our life. And I, you know, I'm curious, you are somebody who probably has a very busy day, right? Like I can imagine your days look pretty packed. There is a temptation to sometimes go on autopilot there, you know, so how are you addressing that even in your own life? Like, how do you, how do you implement the mindfulness um, throughout your day? Yeah, I've been so lucky that um, that monk that I mentioned, Ito-san, who's our well-being advisor, he taught me some time ago something that I call body meditation, because he would say meditation isn't just sitting there 
like that. <laughs> um, it's how you move through life. There's eating meditation, walking meditation, breathing meditation. In fact, he very rarely personally does this number anymore um, because it's just how he moves through the world. And so the one example is um, eating meditation. If you get a bowl of food and then um, you turn on the TV and then you grab your cell phone and you swipe through TikToks and multi-screen and then eat at the same time, you don't even really realize they eat. And then next thing you know, the food is gone. And it was sort of like, I don't even know what happened in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Another way to eat is to turn everything off and um, focus on the food in front of you and then maybe the people with you and notice um, the amount of energy and work that it took for the tree and the animal and the farmers and everybody who had to do their part to get that food to you notice the tastes and the textures and how good it feels going into your body um, and really experience the food. The second one doesn't take more time. It doesn't require a different meal. It doesn't require training. It's just a matter of shutting off all this other stuff. So um, in my life, the way that I make that a practice is um, I don't do smartwatches because it constantly is buzzing on me. Um, I don't have my phone near me most of the time. I'm not on any social media. Um, I don't doom scroll or read a lot of the quick headlines. I'd, I'd rather read the more synthesized stuff like My Body Green. And I really do everything I can to move through my day with um, a little bit more intention than I, I used to live my life. Because I know what that other way of doing, living my life did to me. And so I, I make a choice not to do that. Yeah. It takes a lot of discipline uh, to be able to live like that. It, it, the switch requires a little bit of discipline because it's so different than how we live. But once you make that switch, and then a while ago, I got off email. And it's wonderful. It's so great. That's incredible. I'm, I'm honestly kind of curious how you did that. <laughs> Just got rid of my email accounts. Incredible. How do people get a hold of you? <laughs> if they need me, they have my phone number. And then, you know, there's an administrative one for calendar invites, but just call me on the phone. That's pretty great. I, that is, it, it, you really practice what you preach. <laughs> you know, you are committing to it. How old are you? I'm 32. Oh, so you were born pretty much into the internet. Yeah, I I grew up with the internet that was still dial-up, but I did grow up with internet. Yeah, I'm 44, um, so not much older, but those that 10 years matter. And I remember growing up without the internet. And I, I tell my daughter all the time, you know, when Daddy and I met, we wrote each other letters. <laughs> and she was like, really? And I was like, yeah, with a pen and with paper. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, it's certainly, I think that I would, I, I have taken breaks where I've deleted all my social just because I'm not a big social person anyway. And I just, you know, it doesn't bring me joy in a lot of cases. Um, so I've gone through stretches where I've been able to delete that. Um, but it, it always brings me back to it, but now I'm feeling quite inspired that maybe I need to do another run of deleting my Instagram. <laughs> 
It feels so good. You don't have anything to check. At, at some one point, there was like a LinkedIn mailbox, a work mailbox, a personal mailbox, a Facebook one, an Instagram one, WhatsApp. Um, you got your alumni ones and you spend all day and the quality of the connections and the quality of the communication is not meaningful. It doesn't feed the soul. Um, and then I was like, what am I doing spending all my time doing this? Honestly, it just kind of feels like with all these means of people, uh, all of these uh, modalities in which people can get a hold of you, I it it ends up just being like a constant rush of just people checking in about something or asking for something or I need this, or I need that. And like, I do it too. I am just as guilty as anybody else. But to your point, you know, it, it lacks a genuine connection there. And it just makes you feel starved for actual genuine relationships with people because everything just ends up feeling so transactional. Including our relationship with ourself and our relationship with our body. So I remember getting to a point where my skin is just something I want to control. My body is just something I want to control. I'm weighing myself. I'm, you know, I'm, it's, it's as if this is just, again, just a meat suit that I control instead of um, something much more sacred. And so now when I take a bath, I can feel the bath and I can feel the water on my skin and the heat in my muscles. When I wash my face at night, I have a intentional little routine ritual that I do. And I actually put mindfulness rich steps into each one. And it just really changes my relationship with my body and myself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a perfect segue into the last point that I wanted to discuss here, which was the point that surprised me the most is that people find their skincare routine stressful. Um, I, I I think that is, see, this is when I realized that I am in a little bit of a bubble because here at Mind Body Green, we do often talk about this idea that your skincare routine is a time for you to practice self-care. It's a time for you to check in with yourself, you know, really luxuriate in it, um, embrace the time. And so to hear that people find it to be stressful, I find very heartbreaking. And that really, I, I kind of find that upsetting. Uh, I'm sure you felt the same way when you found these or when, you know, you found this report. I understood because mine, I felt the same way too. And it's, it's not, um, it's not these women's fault. When you're taught for so long that you are a pile of problems, the way that we've sold skincare to people, um, it's really sad for so long. Imagine if you went into a store and you wanted a pair of jeans and you walked up to the salesperson and you said, hello, I'm looking for a new pair of jeans. And they looked at you and said, okay, I see a big butt and short thighs, but we've got some solutions to your problems. You'd say, excuse me, I just wanted a pair of jeans. But when you go into a department store and you say, I'm looking for a new moisturizer, they say, okay, let's start with a diagnosis. And the more clinical, the more they put on a lab coat, the more they have machines to measure and say, look, look at all this damage that you can't even see. Uh, so we've got pores, we got, you've got all this stuff. And then they, they say, here's the solutions to your problem you walk out with. What, is, what did it say about you? And then every night when you apply it, Oh, it's so stressful. I, I understand. I understand. So what we say is, um, first of all, you are not a list of problems to be solved. Your skin is amazing. It's this wondrous organ. Let's start with a lot of love. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to take care of the health of our skin because your skin deserves to be cared for and loved. And it doesn't have to be 10 steps. 
It doesn't even have to take 10 minutes. Um, and frankly, you can do it with any skincare brand. I, I don't, if I can have you use Tatcha, I would love that because I'd love the honor of caring for you. But it doesn't have to be Tatcha. I just want you to take a couple minutes every day to wash your face, um, to nurture it with a moisturizer, and then in the morning, please put on sunscreen. That's that's all I, I really want from you. But while you're doing it, I'd like you to um, just put a little bit of mindfulness into it. doesn't take any extra time or money. And, and I want you to rediscover love of yourself and your skin. Yeah. Well, you know, I... I think that it can certainly be as simple as just being more mindful when you look at yourself in the mirror or just, you know, taking those moments to really relax into the process. But, you know, for people who are looking for additional ways to pad in self-care in their routine and their skincare routine, you know, what are some ways that people can use skincare as an opportunity for this self-care? And I don't say self-care in this, again, transactional way. I mean, true you know, I am caring for myself. So put away the phone, turn off the TV, um, keep your bathroom a very, like a personal sanctuary. And then when you go in there, as you move through each step, you just put a little attention into it. So when I'm cleansing, I remember that my friends in Japan have shown me that cleansing can be an act of letting it go. So when I'm massaging my face with my cleansing oil, um, I am thinking about the things that I'm holding on to that are not in service to me. And I imagine them literally melting away and letting go. For me, that's often fear, last few years of a bit of anger. Um, and I just imagine letting it go. Um, the next step for us is a rice polish. So it's a very, very gentle daily exfoliant. Um, and the purpose of an exfoliant is to let go of dead skin cells and bring up the new. So when I'm using this on my skin, it takes 10 seconds. I think about the things that I'm beating myself up for because I think sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves. And I, I just say, I, I'm going to let go of that feeling and I'm going to just remind myself that I can begin again in any moment, just like I can begin again with my skin in any moment. And then the next step that we have is an essence. And the purpose of an essence is to replenish your skin deeply. So when I'm pressing it into my skin, that takes about seven seconds. I think about the fact that when we work so hard to show up for others as um, wives, as bosses, as mothers, as friends, as leaders, that we can get really depleted. And so I think about the importance of replenishing myself energetically if I want to be able to show up for the ones that I love. And then the final step is a moisturizer. And the purpose of a moisturizer is to cocoon your skin in love. And so when I'm applying it, I just think about the people who cocoon my life in love. Um, some people might have passed. Some people might be people I don't even think I'll ever meet, but I know they're supporting me. Um, some might be people who live far away and I can't see them because COVID is keeping us separated. And I just think about the fact that even if I can't see them and touch them every day, they are cocooning me and lifting me in love. And, and I just think about them when I'm putting it on. And so after this four-step ritual, and again, it doesn't have to be Tasha. You can use anybody when you're doing this. But um, I've I've let go of things that are not in service to me. I've reminded myself that I can begin again. I've reminded myself of the importance of replenishing myself energetically. And then I've reminded myself that I'm loved and supported. And it takes about four minutes. It's all done. Twice a day. And then you bookend your day with that. Yeah. I think that's so lovely. And 
I think it's an easy way for people to make these connections because, you know, they're they're so intrinsically tied to whatever step you're doing. And, you know, it's the, it's the washing of yourself. It's, you know, all cultures have bathing rituals for this reason. It's because, you know, it's important to, to cleanse the body, cleanse the mind, go through this cleansing process, um, you know, and then, like you said, moisturizing yourself or replenishing yourself. And, you know, it's, I, I think like skincare is inherently spiritual in this way. And that's not saying you have to be spiritual, but I think, you know, because like I, I don't even know if I consider myself spiritual, but I think that there is something inherently spiritual about the steps of skincare. And I think this just speaks to that so fundamentally. Um, and that's why, you know, beauty and skincare have been such important rituals for many cultures and many, you know, spiritual practices for centuries. And and I think that your question about your statement about spirituality is interesting because I think in the past, in this in the Western world, especially spirituality is like a little woo-woo. And it's, oh, are you religious? Or, you know, is there a, a defined practice that you or philosophy that you sign up for? I think in in this next world that we're moving into, I wonder and hope whether spirituality can just speak to um, the acknowledgement that we have a spirit. <laughs> I think most people could acknowledge that, like, I, I think there's something more inside than just uh, all this meat, right? <laughs> there's, there's something more there. There's this light. And I want to acknowledge and honor the fact that I have a spirit and um, I can connect with it and honor it and, um, and not ignore it by moving mindlessly through the world physically and mentally. I can just keep using the moment to come back to myself and back to my body and back to my spirit that way. Yeah. I think that's a really lovely way to look at it. And I think it's a really refreshing way to look at it. Um, because I think you're right. I think sometimes we get hung up on this whole idea of spirituality versus being religious versus, you know, whatever these sort of labels that we put on ourselves. Um, but at the end of the day, it's being spiritual just means that you acknowledge the fact that, yeah, you have a spirit. You are this person. Yeah, a spirit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So you know, we, we've talked about some really good tools that people can use throughout their day to implement mindfulness and hopefully help reduce their stress. You know, I think, I think the advice you gave about eating your meals mindfully, I think obviously the skincare advice I think is really beautiful. Um, and I think that those are fantastic ways that we should be, um, or fantastic habits that we should be implementing in our lives to, to help help ourselves and help our skin. Um, but we also know that sometimes it takes time for our skin to reflect some of these more habit changes, right? Um, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't fix our stress overnight. So I, I do want to talk to you about skincare and topicals and uh, ingredients that can also help stressed skin because I, you know, I, I want to give people something that they can use right now. A little bit of some pragmatic stuff. Yeah. yeah no you know, problem. it's, I think, I think this is the core of skincare, you know, the, the practices and the lives that we live, but we do at the end of the day, you know, we need the right ingredients too, to put on our skin. Um, so what sort of ingredients do you look for? Or, you know, what sort of ingredients do you like? 
When I study in Japan, I find over and over and over again, it always comes back down to the Japanese diet. So um, Japanese people have the longest average life expectancy in the um, high income worlds. And they don't outlive us by like a little, they outlive us by a lot. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of research that's been done into it, but some of the research indicates it's because of their diet. And so green tea, rice, and seaweed, the basis of the Japanese diet, I find has also been the basis of their skincare um, for centuries, maybe thousands of years. I've only studied centuries. And um, when you look at the science of it, it makes perfect sense because when you are stressed, your body um, becomes inflamed. Um, green tea, rice, and seaweed are superfoods, and superfoods are basically um, uh, fire extinguishers. So they can shut down inflammation. And so when you have superfoods in your body, either through diet or through your skin, especially if it's formulated in a way that's very respectful to the skin, then you can knock out the inflammation pretty quickly. Um, and inflammation is something that where you can actually see overnight results. You might not completely heal it overnight, especially if you don't get down to the root cause of the inflammation, but um, you can see results. So my favorite um, piece in our collection that I recommend to anybody is um, our essence. Our essence is 100% how to say three. Um, how to say three is a complex that we have. It's made out of green tea, rice, and seaweed from Japan that are sourced from very specific places. It's fermented twice. The outcome of this fermentation is it's very bioavailable to the body. It um, produces lactic acid and amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks of skin. And when you put it on your skin, it increases the hydration of the skin by over 600% instantly, which opens up aquaporin channels in the skin, which means that anything that you use after serums or creams, the active ingredients, instead of getting stuck on top of dead, dried skin cells, they can follow these aquaporin channels down into the deeper layers of the skin. And then um, it's highly anti-inflammatory. You see the, the, the reddening and the dryness and the texture that you often get with stress go away pretty quickly. Um, so that's, these are the kinds of things that I would recommend people, um, look for in any skincare, um, is anti-inflammatory ingredients and avoid things that tend to be more irritating alcohol content for some people, retinols, because if your skin is already inflamed from stress and then you add more irritating ingredients onto it, it's just sort of adding insult to injury. Um, but then I think, again, it goes back down to the source of the stress. So we talked initially about wanting to change a relationship with our skin. When I used to get hives um, the first time around, I felt really upset with my skin. Like my skin was betraying me. Like, oh, we're not on the same team anymore because I wake up in the morning and I don't even know what I'm going to see in the mirror. And I need us to really, I need us to be on the same page. I don't have time to look like this today. Um, what I've learned since I know now that the skin is a reflection of what's going on inside is that my skin's actually talking to me and it's communicating to me. And so I found that whenever I get a hive here on my neck and it's persistent, it won't go away. It's because I'm not saying something that needs to be said for me. And I've got to figure out what it, what is it that I'm holding back on? And then I say whatever needs to be said and in 24 hours, that hive is gone. So, um, there's external ways that you can use skincare. Um, 
to make the skin feel uh, healthy and calm and beautiful again. But you also want to address the root cause of the stress and inflammation. Yeah. I I think you're last point there is really interesting and speaks to something that we try to be really mindful of here at Mind Body Green. And it just has to do with this uh, idea that, you know, you, you are not at odds with your skin. Like you and your skin are not fighting each other. Like you guys are not enemies. Like it is not a battle. And I think sometimes you read um, beauty stories or just even beauty marketing. And it's like, oh, you want to fight your wrinkles or you want to fight your breakouts or you want to, you know, like, and it's such like, almost angry language. And we really, really try to, I don't know, soften the way we talk about this sort of stuff and, you know, not use that sort of language. Because I do think it's important that we don't like pit ourselves against our skin. Because at at the end of the day, it's not that you're fighting your skin, because then you would just be fighting yourself. Like, your skin is you. You can't fight your skin. You're you're on. You're together in this, and yeah, so you know. It's you about, don't love yourself better than anybody else who's going to. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, I think I think that speaks to the same idea. And I do think it is important that um, you know, you you acknowledge the fact that you and your skin are on the same team, and you're working together. And you know, you are. Your skin is you, and you are your skin. So quite beautiful. I love that. Uh, the last thing that I want to talk to you about in the last uh, section of this episode is what you do in your own routine. So we will start with your skincare. What does your skincare routine look like? It's the intentional one that I walk through with you. I only do four steps. Um, It's really simple. So the first thing I do is um, cleanse my face with a Camellia cleansing oil. Um, it's made out of flower oils, no mineral oil. Um, it's good for all skin types, non-comedogenic. And that's the one that I use to melt away the day. Um, the next thing I do is I use a classic rice polish, which is made out of just rice enzymes and papaya enzymes. And I use that to help keep um, the rate of desquamation, the rate of synthesis really high in my skin, the skin turnover really, really quick. Um, and then while I'm doing that, I'm, I'm practicing self-compassion. And then my third step is the essence, um, which is the green tea, rice, and seaweed that's fermented twice. There's nothing else in that bottle. You could drink it if you wanted to. It doesn't taste good. I tried, but you could. Um, And as I'm pressing that into my skin and I'm plumping it back up with this intense hydration, um, that's when I remind myself the importance of giving back to myself. And then I have most recently been using the Indigo Overnight Recovery Cream that we created, which has um, really great ingredients in there to also dampen the impact of cortisol in the skin. Um, And when I apply that, I just think about the people that I love and who love me. And then I go to sleep at night and I wake up the next morning and my skin really does always look in the morning um, like its strongest, healthiest um, version of itself. So I know, I know I've done something for myself and it, it doesn't take any time. Yeah. I love that indigo cream, by the way. Oh, good. That's a, that's well, your skin is glowing. So I'm touched that I get to take care of you. I mean, I honestly do have your products to thank for a lot of it. I am, I'm an avid user. Um, okay. And then the last thing I ask my guests about is what are their well-being must-haves? You know, we believe everything is skincare. Obviously, you believe that too. And we've touched on some of your well-being must-have throughout this episode. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask if there's if there's anything we missed that you count as like a core part of your routine. It's mm, a really great question. I mean, for me, whenever I need a reset, I just have to get in water. 
whether it's in the ocean, in the shower, in the bathtub, even if it's just getting my face in water, I think there's something about the energy of water that is very resetting. Um, and I don't mean that in a woo-woo way. Uh, I think there's actually some pretty um, interesting science about the energy of water. So um, anytime that I get stressed out or I need to reset, you'll find me in the shower. When I was first starting Tatcha, I think I took like five showers a day. I have a low flow shower because I respect the environment and want to not waste water. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm big on just getting in water. I, I think that's a great tip. One thing that I am actually trying to do more of in the new year, and I think this speaks to this idea, is I want to be better about going to bathhouses and like, you know, making sure that I spend time, you know, in, in these spaces. And um, because I do think that there is something to this idea of, you know, connecting in water and then also connecting with a community that is also there. And um, so I, I'm all for that. Um, I, I loved this episode. I loved having you on. I loved chatting about all of this incredible, uh, information that you've shared. I just, you know, I feel like there's so, so much good information that people can walk away from and implement in their own life. And, um, also just a, a lot of things to think about and, you know, a lot of things to kind of to chew on and, um, and think about how, how we view ourselves and how we take care of ourselves. So thank you so, so much for joining me today. Thank you so, so much. And there was actually one thing that I wish I had mentioned um, that I think could be in service to your community. Is there one more thing I can share with you? Oh my gosh, please. I was gifted this book a number of years ago, Forest Bathing by Dr. Chingley. Have you heard about this book? Um, I haven't read it, but um, you know we talk about forest bathing all the time. So I am sure somebody in our staff has referenced this in our writings. I knew about forest bathing, but I didn't know about the history of it and then the income and science. So um, Japanese people have the longest average life expectancy. But then when they went through this great economic development, um, people started dying at their desks, like dying at work. It, it was such a, an issue that the Japanese government worried that it was an epidemic. They came up with a name for it and um, they started encouraging people to go and go back to nature. They didn't have any science to prove that it was going to help with this, but from their um, culture, they believe that living in deep harmony with nature is the most healing thing that you can do. So it was the Japanese government that actually came up with this word forest bathing, Shinrin Yoku. Then they started putting a lot of money into not only creating forest bathing trails in um, cities, but then also studying the effects of it. And so Dr. Ching Lee is actually the chairman of the Japanese Society for Forest Medicine, but he's a practicing clinician in immunology. So he had gotten some of this Japanese government grant money. He would take these Japanese salarymen who work really, really hard, long hours, lots of pressure. He'd bring them to the front of a forest and take their blood and measure all sorts of stuff in their body and then walk them through the forest. And they're not doing anything. They're not meditating. They're not hiking. They're just moving through the forest. Then on the other side of the forest, they would take all of these same um, measurements and they would find that after a two hour exposure to the forest, um, that they would have, let's see, I want to give you, it would reduce blood pressure, lower stress, improve cardiovascular and metabolic health, lower blood sugar levels, improve concentration of memory, lift depression, improve pain thresholds, improve energy, boost the immune system with an increase in the count of the body's natural killer cells, increase anti-cancer protein production, 
and help you lose weight. And the benefits would last for six weeks and it's cumulative. So every time you go back, it keeps adding on. So Dr. Lee started doing the research to figure out what is it that you're getting exposed to in the forest that's leading to these amazingly dramatic results. There's no drug in the world that can do this. And it's all the things combined, but one of the most important parts is the phytoncides that's coming out of the trees. And so this smell of Christmas, if you will, not only are you inhaling it through your nose, you inhale it through your skin because your skin can breathe. And so your question that you asked was, do I have any other well-being practices that we, we haven't talked about? When 2021 was you know, one of the hardest years of my life and almost brought me to my knees, one of the things that I did to put myself back together was remember Shinrin-yoku forest beating. And I was living in a mountain and I just went to the forest every day. And even if it was negative 20 degrees outside, because it was Wyoming, I just went back to the forest every day. And um, what we did with Dr. Lee was we looked at which trees and which phytoncides from those trees caused the greatest um, body mind change. And it was cypress and hinoki um, because there's all these different elements in that smell, limonene, limonene. And then we took the water and the oil from those trees and we put them into skincare formulas so that if you don't have the benefit of being able to go to a forest, not everybody can do that. Every time you bathe, you can literally inhale these healing phytoncides through your skin. Um, so if you aren't near a forest, we actually created the forest bathing, forest awakening body collection with Dr. Lee. And um, people who don't read this book, don't know anything about forest bathing, but who I've gifted this to, I get these amazing texts back from them where they say, I don't know what it is about this body wash and this moisturizer. And this is going to sound crazy, but I feel completely different after I use them. And my skin feels amazing. My skin is glowing and soft, but I feel reset. And I think I'm addicted. And I said, you know, if, there, if you're going to be addicted to anything, I think being addicted to the healing power of trees is really amazing. So that's a long way to tell you about, um, the last, and I think one of the most important practices we can all do, which is get, get outside. And if you can't get outside, see if you can get access to the smell of, um, Cypress and Hinoki. I mean, I, what a great way to end this episode on. I do think that that is something that will deeply resonate with our audience and certainly deeply resonates with me too. I, you know, one of the hardest things about living in a city, I, I live in Brooklyn, um, is the limited access to, you know, proper forests. Obviously we have parks and, you know, I'm very grateful for the parks that I have around me, but um, I, you know, getting out and being surrounded by nature and is it's a life changing and, you know, day changing experience. And um, I, I know that we obviously, my, my audience here will resonate with that quite a bit. I mean, we're, Mind, body, green. After all, we with that green, we take very, very seriously. <laughs> Indeed. Well, thank you again so, so much. What a beautiful way to end this episode. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more beauty content from the team at Mind, Body, Green, you can always read along with our content at mindbodygreen.com, follow us on social media, and of course, tune into next week's episode. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.